Of course, we're working through a series now. It's called, It's Not What You Think. It's Not What You Think. Does anybody remember what last week's um, lesson theme was? It was only three words. Trust and obey. There you go. Trust and obey. And uh, that was kind of the foundational message, foundational lesson of this series. And so tonight we go to lesson number two, John's gospel, chapter number 12, and verse 24, where Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and what? Die. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abideth how? Alone. So if the wheat doesn't die, it has nobody else with it. It doesn't grow. But if it die, if the one corn of wheat die, it bringeth forth how, how much fruit? Much fruit. So if the wheat doesn't die, it's all by itself. But if the wheat dies, it brings forth not just a little, but much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. Any man serve me, him will my father honor. The title of the lesson tonight, as you can probably already see in your book or on the screen, is Death Brings Life. Death brings life. For the most part, death, when our, in our economy or in our way of thinking, humanly thinking, death is loss, not life. Death is not gain to, to most. When we think of the word death, it would have a negative connotation. But the death that Jesus is speaking of in John's gospel is a death that actually brings life. Um, we could better call it this way. It is not just saying death, but it is death to self. Maybe not better call it, but just kind of describe it a little bit. It is death to self. It isn't death as in I'm just going to go out and, and die and, you know, die and that'll be great. No. It's talking about I, am, I must die to me. I must die to my wishes. I must die to my ambition. I must die to what I want to do with my life so that God can take uh, my life or your life or anyone's life as we die to self and he can bring forth much fruit through us for his honor and glory. So dying to self or dying to the self life. Without this death to self that Christ is calling us to, we still make our goals and dreams revolve around ourselves. Aren't we living in a self world today? We are. <laughs> We're living in a self world. Social media helps with that. Smartphones, I guess they're I guess they're smart, I don't know. They help in that. So much so that Again, it's not wrong. I'm not saying this is wrong, but we have this picture called a selfie. Interesting, though, in 2018, an Israeli teenager, and this is not just a, a limited uh, news story, died in California's Yosemite National Park, falling 250 meters while trying to take a selfie. 
According to the BBC, a global study revealed 259 people died in a six-year period of time from 2011 to 2017 taking selfies, not paying attention to what was around them. Now, again, not every desire that you or I will have is wrong. It's not what I believe we're teaching here tonight. In other words, if we're going to die to self, it doesn't mean that we can't have any pursuits in our life. That's not what it means. But that is the natural orientation that I have in my life is, you know, whatever I would like. But maybe that's not what God would like. Now, the Bible says that God would give us the desires of our hearts. But it's because my heart is in tune with God's heart. That's really what I'm striving for and praying for in my own life. Trust you are too. Let's look over at, um, in our text once again. And he gives, God gives, the Lord Jesus gives us an illustration through an agricultural way of thinking. Um, a seed, a harvest. We all recognize what that means in the sense of when you plant something, Normally, you get more than you planted, and there's a process that's going on in the ground where it is, it is a dying, if you will, but then life comes from that. And so God is, the Lord Jesus is using this agricultural term in letting us know that life with lasting purpose starts with death. Again, that's not what most people would think death to ourselves. The Lord Jesus Christ is our example. His death brought glory to God. His death brought glory to God through the salvation of all mankind. You realize tonight that without death, we don't have life eternal. That's point number one. If you're taking notes, we'll just jump right into this. Number one, the blank there is the word eternal. Eternal. In other words, you will not and I will not have eternal life if there wasn't first death. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, he died. Eternal life. When we think about death, physical death, the rich and the poor become equal. It really doesn't matter if, and I'll be very, trying to be very careful it's always a sensitive subject. If we had a casket down here with someone who died as a millionaire and someone who died as a pauper, they're both dead. It doesn't really matter to them whether they had a million dollars or no dollars. Death is an equalizer. Fame, money, accolades, world records, corporate success, they go to the grave with us. We leave with nothing, and we, and we came with nothing, and we leave the same way. Now, as Christians, we believe we can leave with not necessarily material things. We don't take any material things with us. But we can leave having influenced people for the cause of Christ, not for our glory, but for his. We can leave having shared the share um given the gospel to people we can we can leave and, and i think you understand what i'm saying nothing 
physical goes with us, however. However, there is something that is in you and is in me, and it is a soul. Our soul, S-O-U-L, is eternal. It is eternal. It will reside somewhere forever. It'll either reside in heaven or it'll reside in hell. Now, if we want to go to heaven, Jesus makes it very clear that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, as we think about this, and some of this is review, let's be reminded, though, that these are not the words of man. These are not the words of a pastor. These are the words of the Savior. In verse 25 of our text, the Lord Jesus says, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life, what? Eternal. Not temporal. This frame is temporal. But not my soul. My soul is eternal. As sinners, I am headed. If I'm not saved, I'm headed for death. I'm headed for destruction. There's nothing good in me as a sinner. Nothing. Zero. Doesn't matter how much I do. Romans 3.23 says it very clearly. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Death. The wage, the penalty, the payment of sin is death. Speaking of not just physical death, although it is part of the curse of sin, death, physical death. But it's talking about a spiritual death. Revelation 20, 14 says, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Christ came, though, to redeem us. Christ came to take us from death to life. Christ came to bring us from darkness to light. But the principle is still there. Death had to happen, though. Someone had to die. That's where Jesus Christ comes in. He made it possible that I could be reconciled. He made it possible that you could be reconciled. He made it possible that whoever you think is the worst sinner ever, there is no sinner so bad that they could not be redeemed. You think about the story. I haven't been able to stop thinking about Stephen in the Bible with recent events. I haven't been able to stop thinking about the first Stephen that I know got martyred. In Acts chapter 7. And right there, was a man by the name of Saul holding the coats, watching it take place. God would use that in his life to bring him to a place of humility and humble and humble himself, and, and he would get saved and become the writer of much of our New Testament. This is a man who killed Christians, and yet he wrote part of the Bible. This is a man who persecuted Christians. This is a man who early on, no one believed him because this guy, there's no way this guy could be a Christian. And everybody was afraid of him. I guess I would have been too. Thank God for a guy by the name of Barnabas. The son of consolation, the encourager. Death brings life even to a 
sinner by the name of Saul who became Paul. And death brings life to me, and death brings life to you if you choose it. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ, Christ died for us. 1 Timothy 2, if you have your Bible, go over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Death brings life. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, the, between God and men, excuse me, the man, Christ Jesus. Notice, who gave himself a ransom for all. To be testified in due time. Here's the, here's the greatest news of the day, of the week, of the month, of your life. You can be reconciled to God and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's no greater news that you could hear than that. There's no greater news that you could share than that. That a sinner can be reconciled because Jesus Christ became the ransom. He took the penalty. He took the payment on himself. Salvation is a gift. Salvation cannot be earned. How do we receive it? We receive it by recognizing, number one, that we need it. I've, I've been praying that lately. God, help people to realize they need to be saved. So many people in our first world environment have so many things and they really get in the way. Things get in the way, don't they? Power gets in the way. I don't need to be saved. I mean, I'm the CEO of a company. I don't need to be saved. I've got six figures. I don't need to be saved, blah, 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 blah. It's not always materialism. And so the thing you can pray for someone who's not saved Pray that they would come to a place that they recognize they need it. That they would be humbled in some way. You know, it's, it's okay to pray for someone who's lost to be humbled. I pray for myself to be humbled all the time. I need to be humbled. It's not a matter of I, I'm, I'm the greatest guy of humility, no. But pride's going to keep a lot of people from heaven. So pray that they would be humbled it's amazing when we're humbled, we recognize quickly what we really need. Saved or lost, it doesn't matter, but we're talking about people that need the Lord. We receive it by recognizing our sinful condition and calling out to Christ for salvation. This is only possible through the Lord Jesus. Now, something to think about. One of the reasons many people have not trusted Christ as Savior is because they're unwilling to give up their own ideas. Think about this for just a minute. Maybe you've heard something like this before. Number one, not number one, but first thought is, I hear what you're saying, but I think, I hear what you're saying, but my church says, does it matter what I think or what my church says? Yes or no? No, it doesn't. Let me just tell you. It doesn't matter what Anchor Baptist Church says even. Now, Anchor Baptist Church is preaching the Bible, so that's what matters. 
well, my pastor, he teaches this. Well, does he teach the book? I'm not talking about me. So people will say that. Secondly, I just don't believe a loving God would send people to hell. Has anybody ever heard that before? I just don't believe a loving God would send someone to hell. I believe all religions lead to the same place. Now, if I've heard one, I've heard that one so many times. Oh, we're all, we're all praying to the same God. I've been religious all my life, and I believe in God, so that's good enough. The problem with all of these statements, and many others like them, is that God is the one who determined how we have eternal life, not us. The Baptists did not determine how we have eternal life. The Presbyterians did not determine how we have eternal life. The Catholics did not determine how we have eternal life. You can put insert any denomination you want in there. They did not determine how we have eternal life. God did. So remember, it's always best that we said, what, is, what does God say about it? What does God say about it? If I cling to my own ideas, when God has specifically revealed himself to us and revealed something different in his word, then there's really no way that person's going to be saved. They must release, die. They must die to their ideas. Right? They must die to what they think and say, okay, I'm dying to what I think, even if I've been taught it my whole life. That's hard. That's not easy. Satan has a grip, a religious grip on millions and we could probably even say billions of people, a religious grip, because it's all they've ever heard from, from birth until that point. That's why we've got to pray that we recognize they need Jesus Christ. We must set aside, they must set aside that pride, that self-righteousness, set aside whatever it is. In other words, salvation cannot come without a change in belief. Change in belief. Let's go to Luke 23. Let's take a look at an example here of someone who was minutes, maybe even hours away from the end of his physical life. Luke 23, please, and verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, Luke 23, 39, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Verse 40, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Notice verse 41, and we indeed justly. In other words, we deserve to be on this cross. He doesn't. We, he said, receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he, the malefactor, said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, 
Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. What a difference a change of belief makes. The unrepentant thief held to his unbelief in Christ and thus went out into eternity without the Lord. And the repentant thief placed his faith in Christ and we believe is now still enjoying eternity in heaven today. These two people were in the same situation. They were both guilty of something. And one recognized, yeah, I need to be saved. I deserve this. And one died as prideful as can be. And as far as we know, that man is still in hell tonight. Their decisions were different. Their deeds were the same, but their decision was different in the end. And that determined where they would go. Let's move ahead. Talking about eternal life. Eternal life comes by death. Whose death? The Son. First John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. So death brings eternal life. Christ's death, he's the doorway to eternal life. Um, uh, the ark had one door. It's a picture of salvation. If you're going to come into the ark, you have to come in through the door. And that's Jesus is the door. He leads to eternal life. Everyone that got on the boat and walked through that door, only eight people, they were all saved. Everyone else perished. They didn't go through the door. So death brought eternal life. Number two, number two, death brings fruitful life. Fruitful life. The old saying says, you can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the apples in a seed. Think about that statement. You crack that apple open, oh, I see those seeds. But how many apples come from that one seed? Who knows? That's a powerful thought. How much fruit comes from one seed? Notice back in our text of John chapter 12, Jesus is referring to this level of multiplication, if I can speak here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, it die and die. It's alone. It, It abideth alone. But again, we're just reiterating this. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. One tiny seed can yield many pieces of fruit. But how much fruit grows from a seed that never gets planted? Zero. It just remains a seed. Do you want to be fruitless for the Lord? Do I want to be fruitless for the Lord? I hope we would say yes. I don't want to bear just a little fruit. I want to grow and I want to bear more and then I want to bear much for God's glory. But that's the same part in our life tonight, in your life, in my life tonight. If I'm not willing to die to something, then the fruit's going to be very minimal if nothing. But if I'm willing to die then a fruitful life can come from that. 
what does this look like? What does this mean? Die to self. Let me give you these quickly. Number one, it means dying to the flesh and self-centeredness. Dying to the flesh and self-centeredness. Again, we've, we've talked about it already. We live in a world where many people are looking out for themselves. And if, it's, if, if we're not careful, we can fall into the same trap. The selfish life, though, is, a, is the fleshly life. And our flesh always resists what is spiritual. Don't forget that. Our flesh always resists what is spiritual. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, and let's see what the Apostle Paul has to say about it. So if I'm living my life for myself, then when spiritual things come, come at me, and God wants to teach, in a good way, spiritual things come at me, but I have the mentality that I'm living for self, then the flesh pushes against the spirit. So maybe that's the cause right now in our lives, maybe your life or my life in some areas, where God's bringing us all kinds of spiritual things. I mean, they're coming our way one right after the other. But because we're so zeroed in on ourself, it's not penetrating the inner man that we talked about this morning. Look, please, if you would, at Galatians 5 and verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a knockdown, drag-out battle. You can never see it, though. <laughs> it's all happening in here. I mean, there's, there's haymakers, you know. There's uppercuts. Knockout punches are trying to be thrown. Flesh and spirit, they, they're contrary. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So I've got, this is why I've got to die to the flesh so that there can be fruit. That battle is taking place and it shouldn't be taking place because I'm supposed to say to my flesh, you're dead today. Just stay dead. I want to do what God wants me to do today, not what I want to do. That's why we have to do that every day. We have to die every day. Why? So we can have fruit for the day. I don't know how many days I've lived. I haven't taken the time to add them up, but I've probably lived, well, maybe, yeah, I've definitely lived more than half of what I'll live. I don't think I'm going to make it to 98. But I'm already past the halfway point. Probably well past it. Well, I tell you, every day God lets me wake up. I need this, I need to, I want to produce some fruit. How about you? It's not so, you know, I can say I've got a bushel, bushel and a peck of fruit. No. But I can say here, I'm not much, but here, have an orange, Lord. It's for your honor and glory. Have an apple. I want to produce this fruit for you. John 6, 63. Let's take a look at that one quickly. John 6, 63. Here's a great problem. Jesus said that in John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth. How much? Nothing. 
You know, that's a, that's a really convicting state. That means we could go through the day in the, living in the power of the flesh, and at the end of the day, spiritually speaking, we would have accomplished nothing. Oh, man, that's just kind of <laughs> right here. Because it's very easy to get trapped into thinking we can just live the Christian life routinely. I'm speaking about me. I don't know about you. And the Bible says here, if I'm doing it in the flesh, at the end of the day, I have nothing to show for it. That's very convicting. I mean, I, I'm even really just right now, it's just really dealing with me. Hmm. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Fleshly living doesn't bring the results we believe it will in the moment we give into it. Doesn't bring the results we believe it will in the moment we give into it. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, James 1.20. The solution, we've, we've talked about it already. What is the solution? Die to it. Galatians 2.20, many of you know this verse. If not, I would, I would encourage you to, to mark it down and, and try to memorize it. I am crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. I might have missed a few words. That's the life. That's the life that brings forth fruit. The crucified life. So we said, number one, Die to the flesh and self-centeredness. The second statement about this having fruit, eternal fruit, second statement is allow Christ to produce his fruit in you. Just as my flesh is incapable of living the spiritual life, there's no way I can bear fruit in my own strength. Let's see what Jesus said in John 15. These are really good reminders. Really good reminders from God's word. John 15, death brings life. It's not what it seems like, right? Death brings life. We would say death is the end, but in really, in God's economy, death is the beginning. It really is. It's the beginning of so much. Look at John's gospel, please, in chapter 15 and verse four. Jesus says, abide in me, and I in you. As, why? Because as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You know, you don't see any branches just hanging there. <laughs> and, and there's a big apple on the end of a branch that's suspended in the air. No, it's connected somewhere. It's going to have fruit on the end of it. Except it abide in the No more can ye except ye abide in me. This is abide in Christ. Verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Again, really challenging, isn't it? 
in my, in my Christian life, all of the different hats that I wear, in your Christian life, all the different hats that you wear as a believer. Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, verse 5, you can do nothing. In our flesh, we find it difficult to get up early and spend time in God's word. There's times when you have to rest more. I'm not talking about those times. In our flesh, we find it difficult to give the gospel to someone who we think will reject it. That's in the flesh. Because if you're in the spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, give the gospel, we're going to give it. But if we're in the flesh, we start to have that, that five-second conversation with ourselves. They're not going to take it. They won't like it. They'll be mad. We cannot live the spiritual life in the flesh. We must rely on Christ working in us. And, and we could bring that into all of, we could bring that into our everyday life too, as husbands or as wives, as as. Um, employees or employers or you know friends family of god whatever it is you're not going to be i'm not going to be a, a godly husband if i'm walking in the flesh i'm not going to produce any fruit in my marriage with my wife in uh, love and, and nurturing and all of that if i'm trying to do it in the flesh it's not going to work and vice versa it doesn't matter what hat again we're wearing if we choose every day to yield to the spirit of god he produces the fruit. Galatians 5, through 25, we're not going to read it. The fruit of the Spirit is there. Rosalind Goforth, she was the wife of the great missionary to China, Jonathan Goforth, told the story of God helping her to see the importance of death to self so that the life of Christ could flow through her. Her name is Rosalind Goforth. So that the life of Christ could flow through her to the lives of others. Quote, one day, this is a quote, I can never forget it. As I sat inside the house of a paper window, house by a paper window at dusk, two Chinese women sat down and on the other side. They began discussing and talking with me. I listened. Talking about me, pardon me, about me. That's an important word. I listened, Rosalind said. One said, yes, she is a hard worker, a zealous preacher, and yes, she dearly loves us. But oh, what a temper she has. If she would only live more as she preaches. Then followed a full and true delineation of my life and character. So true indeed was it as to crush out all sense of annoyance and leave me humbled to the dust. I saw then how useless, how worse than useless was it for me to come to China to preach Christ and not live Christ. I knew I loved Christ. And again and again, I had proved my willingness to give up all for his sake. But I knew, too, that one hot flash of temper 
with the Chinese or with the children before the Chinese, children before the Chinese would largely undo weeks, perhaps months, of self-sacrificing service. The Lord helped Rosalind to understand the truths we've looked at tonight in this lesson about dying to self. And later she would write, at last I realized that Jesus Christ was actually and literally within me. I stopped amazed. How blind had I been? I saw at last the secret to victory. It was simply Jesus Christ himself, his own life lived out in the believer. This made a tremendous difference in her life. And from then on, from then on, She saw new fruit in the ministry with the Chinese people. Eternal life. Death brings eternal life. Death brings a fruitful life. Thirdly, death brings an honored life. An honored life. When we think of honorable people, we usually think of those in a leadership position or with great authority. We hold people like this in high regard. They've achieved different things. They have leadership, whatever, whatever. But the Lord Jesus is the most honorable person who ever lived on this earth. He taught us the opposite about honor. In verse 26 of our text, He said, if a man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. The honor of the father is the highest level of honor we could ever receive. Jesus gives two keys to receiving this honor. I'll give them to you and we'll be done. Number one, die to self and choose to follow. That song, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, again, it's one of those songs that you really have to think about what we're singing. Am I really not going to turn back? Even if no one joins me, will I still follow? Really, is the world behind me and the cross before me? Is that really true? Christ calls us to obey him. He provided this example. John 6, 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Die to self, choose to follow. Philippians 2, 8, being found in fashion as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He calls us to do the same in Matthew 16, 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. Where do we seek to be honored? By men or by the Lord? Now, again, 
believe it's important to encourage one another. I'm not talking about that. I think we should be willing to encourage one another in the things of the Lord. True honor is sought only from the Lord. There's something about earthly esteem that only goes so far. It's fleeting. It's here one day and gone the next. Die to self and choose to follow. Secondly, die to self and choose to serve. Die to self and choose to serve. But he that is greatest among you, Matthew 23, 11, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28. It's a choice that we must make. This choice to die to self and serve Christ is a choice that God himself honors. Let's go to Hebrews 6.10, and we're just about done. Hebrews 6.10. Notice what God's word says. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. can't believe so-and-so forgot what I did and they didn't say anything. <laughs> okay, it's, it's going to happen. You know, I can't, I can't believe the pastor did not. It's going to happen. But here's good news. God never forgets. He will not Forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name. It's not for your name. It's not for my name. It's not for the name of the church. It's for his name. He never forgets any of it. In that ye have ministered to the saints. Did you catch that? In that ye have ministered to the saints. Who are the saints? Believers. God says, I see every bit of service you do for another Christian, and I don't forget about it, and I'm marking it down. This is God's word. He's telling us this tonight. This is encouraging. There's so many people that we could say are great in this world and all of this, but God says, I'm keeping track. Every cup of cold water and so forth. September 29, 2006 was the day that forever changed Petty Officer 2nd Class Michael Monsor's life. The Navy SEAL, along with two other SEALs, was in a sniper position on a rooftop in Ramadi, Iraq, of all places. In an operation to rid enemy fighters, suddenly a grenade from nowhere flew into his location, bounced off his chest, landing in an area that could have potentially killed or gravely wounded all three SEAL snipers. Acting out of instinct, Mansoor jumped on the grenade to protect his fellow soldiers. He recognized, quote, he recognized immediately the threat, 
yelled grenade. And due to the fact that two other SEAL snipers, our brothers, could not possibly escape the blast, he chose to smother it with his body. He absorbed the impact and lost his life in the process. Mansoor did not die immediately. It was an agonizing 30 minutes before the blast killed him. His two comrades suffered shrapnel wounds but survived. Stone said, quote, he essentially saved the Navy SEALs on the rooftop and three Iraqi soldiers who were there. On April 8, 2008, President Bush presented him with his parents with a posthumous Medal of Honor for their son. He quoted one of the SEALs that were saved, quote, Mickey looked death in the face that day and said, you cannot take my brothers. I will go in their stead, end quote. One individual died. One individual decided, excuse me, to give his life so that the others could live. When a person dies to his own beliefs and embraces the truth of the gospel, he receives eternal life. When a Christian dies to his own comforts and conveniences and lets Christ live through him, he bears fruit that remains. Do you want eternal life? You must die to your pride and unbelief of the gospel and turn to Christ as your Savior. And embrace the truth of the Lord Jesus. Do you want your life to count? Make a difference in the lives of others. Bear fruit. Yes, the opposite of what we might think is how it works. Death brings 